Welcome back to 13 Horns. I am Hollywood. I'm joined by my co-host, Brock. What's going on, my man? Not much. How you doing tonight? Doing pretty good. Saturday night. Been out working in the yard all day. And I'm kicking back, drinking a few cold ones, ready to talk some, uh, some music with you. Yeah. I've been listening to some and doing a little deep dive into the albums of what 1988 and 1989 so going back uh i guess 25 years for the 88 albums right so right yeah it's been a minute for sure um before we get to that we got a few news and notes here uh guns and roses world tour 2023 as many people heard they're making a stop here in Austin. Five minutes from me. Uh, I've been trying to win tickets for two weeks. I've been trying <laughs> to win tickets. And uh, to no avail, um, you can buy tickets, but the cheapest I can find is $200 a ticket. And that's that's not even good seats. That's way up there. So there's nobody opening for them. It's, it's them and them only. Um, well, right now they might they might announce an opening act as shows get closer, right? Or they said it's only them. Well, I would think so. I, I tried to look everywhere I could find them. Like, yeah, I'm just there's like, nothing. It's, it's just them. So yeah, it's just, it's several months down the road. I wouldn't be surprised if they had like some supporting act at some point. You know, who knows what it'll be like, but um, yeah. Yeah, if you didn't get like the tickets in like a pre-sale thing or something like that, you know they're going to be pretty, uh, pretty spendy. I know. So, but uh, it's Guns and Fucking Roses. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, man, I wanted to go see them because I saw them back the Use Your Illusion one and two tour when they opened up for Metallica and the Black Album. Yeah, back in the day, I, I seen them, and I'm just so curious to see. Do they still have it? You know, it's oh, been, they do. I saw them uh, uh, when they came back on their uh, what was it, once in a lifetime tour or whatever they called it. Um, when they kind of got back, well, they got back together with Duff and Slash and Axel. Um, and man, they were they were fucking on point, you know. And everything I've read about them since they're doing, they've been great, you know. So I'm going to go to them. Uh, they're coming here to KC Mo. And uh, <laughs> and, uh oh my gosh, that's one of the concerts that we're going to go to. It's uh, it hit on the wife's birthday, and she's a big Guns N' Roses fan too, so it's working out for Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh, they're going to be at the K down there where the Royals play. So that'll be pretty cool, I think. And uh, um, you know, but I was fortunate that's enough. Awesome. To, I hope she has a great time. To be involved in a pre-sale on it so we uh yeah it wasn't it wasn't 250 bucks a head or whatever it was going to cost you know so i don't know maybe as we get closer hollywood we'll see if we we can start a we'll start a gofundme for you or oh, something please. like that I mean, if, if, if i can get a gofundme where i can go i will freaking <laughs> video that shit live there you I'm go there. live stream the whole thing that might be yeah. worth something i don't know we'll see if we can get our seven listeners together if each of them pool in like 30 bucks to send Hollywood to uh, Guns N' Roses in Knoxville. Well, that means Justice and his burner. He's got to double up since he's got two accounts. That's all right. He's good. 
Um, yeah, and they've since, uh, like I said, I tried for two weeks to get tickets and I couldn't qualify. Pissed me off. <laughs> and now they're doing the, uh, they're giving away uh, kiss tickets on their supposedly final, final, final world. I've seen them back in the day as well, but. Um, so what, what's, yeah, so that's, what, what's the, like a lease finality, like the a band saying this is our final tour, um, a wrestler saying it's his final match. Uh, Nobody's going to top Kiss because they've yeah. had like 15 fucking final world tours then. Well, the, the Nature Boy might. Well, yeah, mate. Yeah. He, yeah. That's, that, yeah. You know, yeah. But, I mean, That'd it's, be close. it's just never ending. Like, never say never, right? You know, so, but I mean, the Kiss guys, I mean, they got to be. If the money's their, right. It's hard to turn it down, right? Well, they got to be in their 70s, right? I'm guessing. You know, I mean. Jesus. You know, so they've got to be right at some point. It's going to be the final one, you would think. But uh, you know, I don't know. I've never been a huge uh, Kiss fan or Kiss fanatic or anything like that. So uh, you know, good luck to them. So right. So I'm, I'm, we're we're kind of skipping around here a little bit. Um, going back, you know, November Rain has talked who billion views on YouTube. And if you remember, that's the classic video where Slash is playing his guitar outside in front of a church. Um, I think we talked about this on one of our previous episodes. Um, an, an iconic video, right? Just back in the day, that thing was wore out on MTV back when they actually played music. So, Oh, yeah. That's a that's a lot. Yeah, I mean that's probably up there. You know, as, um, as far as like rock songs go, I mean that's got to be up there with anybody. You know, I'm sure there's, you know, yeah, yeah. you hate to say it, like Miley Cyrus or something probably has a video oh, that tops that or some crap. But, um, you know, that's two billion. I mean, that's like you know, that's basically saying one in three people in the world have actually watched that video at some point. Which I know that's the case. I've probably watched it. A million times so i don't know maybe i'm skewing the number <laughs> oh i remember used to wear that motherfucker out when it was on mtv yeah i almost busted the damn tv speakers when i was a kid because i turned it up so loud yeah um i'm gonna skip here for a minute uh speaking of kiss right so coming up this year on july the 10th it's one day only you can record a song with Gene Simmons at the iconic Abbey Road Studios in London. O price of six grand. <laughs> now you will also get, <laughs> I know you will also get some kiss items from his personal collection, and he's going to sign them. Um, wow, I, I I I had to read this twice because I was like, what? But yeah, for six grand, you can record a song with Gene Simmons. You can get some personal items out of his collection, and he'll sign up for you. Well, those yeah. motherfuckers better be made for gold. I gold if I'm paying. Well, that then you have to pay to get yourself to London, England, and um, yeah, you know, you're probably a fellow they don't let leave the borders of the country of the United States here. I'm guessing so. <laughs> Wow. 
That's how we're going to be tonight, Hollywood. Well, they may let me leave, but they sure as hell won't let me back, I'm sure. <laughs> Game on. Depends on where you enter, you know, like if you want This wanna... is how we're going to be. <laughs> I, mean, how, I mean, just seriously, though, how conceited or... Yeah, conceited. How conceited in yourself do you have to be to think you can charge somebody 6000 I mean, I know there's... They're legendary and all this shit, and he's probably going to give you something out of his collection that nobody else has, and he's going to sign it. I, I get the whole appeal, right? But Jesus Christ. Well, his personal collection of what? Like, it's going to be like... Six a, grand? And like you said, be- if you're traveling from the United States, that's that's even more money. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like... I don't know. Fuck Kiss. <laughs> Oh, shit. Um, okay, we'll move on. Um, so the, the Foo Fighters, they have a pinball machine on the way made by Stern Pinball, who's they're known for creating other... Um, but yeah, they, uh, they have a pinball machine that you can buy coming up pretty soon. Um, I think that's pretty cool because that's... Pretty nostalgic, right? When you when you're thinking of pinball games, that kind of takes you back, especially me and you, way back in our arcade eras, right? Yeah. Um, so I kind of have that musical pinball machine. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's neat for them. I always like Foo Fighters. You know, I think uh, you know that's pretty uh, pretty cool. I mean, I know that you know other bands. I think uh, Metallica and Led Zeppelin and. Um, Others have had like pinball machines like throughout the years, you know. I think, uh, I mean, it seems like we keep talking about Kiss, but I think that's they're probably the most uh, famous for having a pinball machine, you know. But obviously, they're uh, money whores, <laughs> so I think they'll take uh, you know, but who right. is it, right? We're all we're exactly. all we're all a slave to the dollar at the end of the day, so that's right. Um, On a recent guitar, Stevie Vai announced that he and Ozzy Osbourne had enough songs for an entire album. Um, and this was just before Osmosis came out. And Ozzy was looking for material. He reached out to Stevie Vai. And according to Vai, you know, they, they went wherever or he came to Ozzy and they sat down. And it, it was a lot of raw stuff, like not truly finished. But he claims that they had enough songs that if they didn't want, they could have had a, a full album of just stuff between him and Ozzy, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Ozzy's collaborated with a ton of people, right? Like, I think when you look back at his career and, um, you know, it's and a lot of guitar players too, right? I mean, I, you know, kind of a, a who's who of guitar players he's always been involved with. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's stuff in the vault and hopefully it's, you know, it's to a, a point where maybe someone can get their hands on it and kind of mold it into something that's releasable at some point in time. Right. Cause I don't, that'd be kind of cool. So. Right. And we've talked about this on previous episodes too, like um, uh, Eddie Van Halen, right. We talked about him having a whole vault full of music, just 
you know, pieces of music and riffs and, and songs and shit that he'd done that he just put away. Same thing with Prince, right? He had all kinds of stuff that's just whatever that they're working on. I think the truly elite, that's what you see, right? And they have so much stuff just put away. Uh, yeah. Which I think it makes it unique. Um, so here's one I like. Annual record store day is ahead on April 22nd. So April the 22nd, you can go to independent record shops, right? And then you can go, there's a complete list of the stores that can be found on the record store day website. And it's recordstoreday.com. I clicked on it to see who it is. Um, first of all, you're supporting nostalgic record stores. You're, you're supporting locally owned record shops. But the list was Monks and Lazy, Dio. Um, that was just a few of the names that are releasing, that are releasing some first-time vinyl, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that's kind of becoming the uh, the collector's thing now, right? Is you know, you know, finding some of that vinyl, you know, getting vinyl, and you know, I don't know if people actually listen to it or they just collect it right now because uh, you know, and and, and I think it is kind of it, it's cool too, right? Because they're giving you stuff that they don't, they you know, it, it wasn't what the like the CD looks like album cover, it wasn't what like the cassette looks like album cover. It's you know, we're gonna put our own spin on right. you know, i don't know what motley's doing but are they putting a different spin on like shout at the devil you know with a because i've seen some pretty cool uh shout at the devil record covers that aren't the one that they had that released it right with, with the four guys basically on the, right. on the on the front and you know they've done some different things and uh um yeah i, I think it's pretty neat you know and uh it's kind of cool that they're kind of uh supporting those like little record shops that you know, when we grew up, they were all over the place, right? Like, you would have... You yeah, know, they were freaking everywhere, right? Yeah. You'd go into a record store, and they had fucking milk crates with records in them. And well, and they... All and, kinds of shit. And they weren't, like, the big corporate chains, right? You know, it was just, like, some guy, right. you know, like, the town I grew up in, it was it was Skinny's Bop Shop, is what he called it, right? <laughs> and uh, and I, I still remember the place, man. You went in there, and it had, like, wood floors that kind of creaked when you walked on it and stuff. And... and uh, you know, and he had all these he had all these great albums, and, you know, or cassettes or CDs and stuff like that. You know, if you wanted something, you know, if you wanted the uh, the unedited version of Appetite for Destruction, that's where you had to go, right? Because Walmart didn't right. carry that shit, or Kmart, or whatever other freaking, you know, heaven forbid, someone said fuck back in that day, right? You know, and, um, and, and you know, they, they, you kind of miss that right now, especially since it's all. You know, who buys albums anymore, unfortunately, right? You know, I, I think some people do, but like everybody listens to their music through Spotify or they get it off YouTube or off of uh, Apple Music or, you know, whatever other music apps are out there and things. And, um, you know, but I think things like that where they can kind of make it different and put a twist on things. And then you're, you're going out with like, given someone that's not a, 
a heavy hitter in the world, right? You're not saying, oh, we're just going to send them all to Target or we're not going to, you know, yeah, give them to the freaking, you know, Joe's Record Shop in downtown Knoxville that does $800 a day in sales. You know, give him a chance to sell some, right, man? So. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's something that I have recently within the past year have, um, have started to get into is collecting records and, I got the all-in-one radio, CD, record player, cassette player. I got that for Christmas. But yeah, I've got um, I've got some records that I buy, right? They come sealed. They're newer versions. They're still sealed. So those I kind of I don't open. I just leave them sealed, even though they're newer or older. Yeah. If I can get the older one, because the older ones are really expensive, but. Um, but if I can buy a record that's already opened, then I'll listen to it. Like yeah. I've got Led Zeppelin's uh, second album, or I've got um, Aerosmith. It's uh, greatest hits. I already they're used, right? So they're already open, and I'll play them on the record player, man. I mean, I'm not afraid to play them. So um, I think the rec- the final industry is. I think back in the day it was it was awesome and then it kind of killed off with well everybody every like the convenience and the size right like i mean you could you know i mean you could could put 200 cds in a case you know like this that's about the same size as like six records right and so you know i think that and then like you know and but I think some people, you know, you still kind of miss the uh, nostalgia of it, right? Of going back and, you know, putting a record on and, you know, you know, just kind of letting it go. And and, and as in, and now, you know, what, 40 years later, later, 50 years later from like the height of records, um, you know, you're able to have like the, I think the sound quality that was uh, designed to come out of them, you know, that people that they were looking for back in the day with like the uh, advances and everything that, uh, that they've done so right i mean it's it's uh i think nowadays nostalgia and collecting has pushed everything to another another level right so um like i said i'm I'm trying to buy some records i've got uh you know i've got tesla and i've got a signed copy of luke Combs. i've got i've got a lot of records but uh some of some are sealed, some of them are not. Some of these bands, musicians now are, they're offering new records of old stuff, but maybe it's a red record. Maybe it's a, a gold record or whatever. It's just kind of, the whole thing is kind of different right now. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of starting to dig into that really from a collecting aspect, it, it's, it can, I don't know, Metallica's and Justice for All. If you're going to get an original album without original content, some of that shit's freaking outrageous. Um, but yeah, that's something I'm looking into. So I thought that was cool. National Record Day. Um, Go to the recordstoreday.com website. You can get a list of all 
the websites, musicians that's dropping some stuff. So go support not only your favorite musicians, support the local record shops because uh, I'm sure they'll appreciate it. I can't wait for one. Uh, I've got some stuff that uh, I've already picked out and I'm going to, I'm going to acquire there. Um, the 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. First of all, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is yeah, right? If you're if you're a music lover like me and Brock, then you know who Eddie Trunk is. Uh, did that metal show? Does you know he's uh, that's his thing. He's touring. He's going around chasing all these bands. So you know who Eddie Trunk is, um, and he'll tell you Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They suck ass, right? Because it's not what it should be. But they're getting better. But um, so this year, some of the nominees are Iron Maiden, Soundgarden, The White Stripes, Cindy Lauper. Uh, you can go vote each day at rockhall.com. Um, and you can vote up to five bands every day, each day. Um, right now, Iron Maiden, Soundgarden. Cindy Lauper currently trending to get in. Rage is out. Uh, Lockstar isn't so. Drops is kind of out, but they're losing to some. Does that vote mean anything, or is it still decided by some like jackass that gets a vote at the end of the day? Well, or do they let in some like public vote things now? I don't know. I just I think. Well, I did some research on this, and, and like I said, you can go to the website, um, rockhall.com, and you can place your vote. But the fact that, like, I mean... You can vote up for five. Vote up to five each day. The, and apparently it's kind of like um, the Pro Bowl, kind of like, so they're going to take a fan vote. Okay. And that's going to weigh against whatever the hell else they do. But it looks like the fan vote does have some weight to it. Unlike okay. The Pro Bowl. Well, I mean, I, Iron Maiden, you know, obviously should have been in 40 years ago. Um, years you know, ago. I would hold out Rage Against the Machine just out of spite because they haven't given us a new album since 19... 19- 96 or whatever the fucking year is. Yeah, um, fuck you. Rage Against the Machine is straight in your freaking face, man. They've given me they've given me 17 years of nothing, man. Oh, fuck you. No reason to do that, you know. Soundgarden, probably the greatest grunge band of all time, should have been in. I'll give you I'll give you Soundgarden. I'll give you Cindy Lauper on the punk aspect. I'll give you Nah, Cindy Lauper. because founding members of Metal Fuck the white stripes. Fuck the white stripes. Yeah, fuck the white. Well, if you're looking at the list, when you go in there to vote, if you look at the list, that's the guys. I voted for Iron Maiden. I voted for... I voted um, Iron Maiden three times and Soundgarden twice. (laughs) Those are my five votes. I can't... against the machine, man. They deserve to be in. Back at the MTV Awards when they were freaking raising... three Three albums. They got three albums of original material. Fuck. Three albums of original material. No. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
see this this is where we lose followers right here. We're gonna go from seven to one right here. Well, no, two because I'm not because did I, say I hate him. Did I say I hate him? No, I said that I would like to see them do something else. You know, do they probably and who even knows the grounds for getting rock hall of fame? It's like it's not like there's a deserving thing. You know, Iron Maiden is maybe outside of Black Sabbath is the most influential heavy metal act of all time. And, you know, they're not even considered, you know, because, well, probably because heavy metal is not fucking rock and roll. And these douchebags in Cleveland don't know what the fuck right. they're doing, you know. But, <laughs> and, and why, why is, I don't know. And then you go into the whole rock and roll aspect and why is Cindy Lauper even considered? I well, mean, I think she's kind of more the alternative. It doesn't matter. Whitney, Houston, Whitney Houston's in it. I think Dolly Parton's in it. You know, fuck. I, yeah, I, yeah. And I Dolly Parton's in Thanks, but no thanks, right? Which was huge cool on her part, right? Because she would have been in if they would, if she would have took it. But she's like, no, this is, this is not what I do. Don't some, include me in this. Someone needs to, I mean, like, a, a true rock hall of fame needs to be started by somebody that represents like what rock, you know, and not just, and, and, I, I'm not, and I'm not saying there's not guys that like, you might not consider rock and roll such as like a Chuck Berry or something like that, that shouldn't be in because like they were so influential and in, like their guitar and everything like that is, you know, back in the day, but right. like, you know, I mean, there's some you can't even make a stretch on. Like I, I'm a hundred percent certain Whitney Houston is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't really want to <laughs> Google it or anything like that, but I think it's I, I, I would, if I had to bet, I would bet on the side that she is. And yeah. there's nothing as great as Whitney Houston is, and I know she sold a shitload of albums and like, you know, is a pop megastar. There was nothing rock and roll about her at all, right? And right, you know, that, and, she, and she had some great music, but she's not rock and roll, metal, alternative, punk. And I think that when you say rock and roll Hall of Fame, I think that's I'm with you. Somebody needs to do that. And I wish Eddie Trunk would take that on because I think he would be such a great leader, front man, get it right guy, right? Um, I've even tweeted out today. For now, we got what we got at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, so go vote uh, for those guys. Get them in. Screw all these pop rock country artists. You know, get them out of here. Do your part because it apparently it plays a role. So we'll see how much of a role it plays. But yeah, go do your part. Um, And that does it for the news and notes. So the top 13 albums of 88 and 89, um, I guess, depending on where you're looking, I go to Wikipedia and put in list of albums of 88 or list of albums of 89, and it pulls up everything like rock, punk, rap, Whatever, and I just I just go down the list. So and it's and it goes by when the album was released. So I don't know what you're using, but we've got a little bit of a difference here, and that's okay. Holly, that's fine. So, Hollywood's uh, already apologizing for his shitty list, basically. Because fuck you, fuck <laughs> you. 
dick. I thought it was an asshole. My dick or an asshole? Like it's. You're both. You're a dickhole. <laughs> so, um, so top 13 albums of well in, in 89 um use our percusive here too right this like, like you know this might not be everybody's this is ours like these are the albums that me and you like right so right, right. i mean um, you know you get tied into you know, like when you're growing up at that age, you're like, oh, this is what I was listening to. This is what I'm in. Or, or it might even be like what hit us when we're doing this too, right? Is Because like me, like I, I pull a bunch of albums on my list and, um, you know, I get some from Google. I kind of go through my like my my music playlist and see what's in there. And and I think there's I, I always find stuff that resonates more with me today than it might have might have 25 years ago or 24 years ago or whatever. So um Right, and, and there's some songs that you, there's some songs that just hit you, right? You yeah. have a special connection. No matter if you were 10 years old and now you're 40, that song has a special connection yep. with you, and it just kind of transcends. So um, we're going to start with number 13. Uh, don't screw this up. Am I going first? Yeah, I said you're going first. Number thirteen, you're going first. All right. Well, I'll screw, I'll screw it up right from the, the start then. So, um, nice. <laughs> uh, my number thirteen album is uh, Queensrÿche with Operation Mindcrime. Um, it was their uh, third release uh, by them. It was released on May third, nineteen eighty-eight. Uh, it's kind of a concept album, and it's really, uh, you know, when I mentioned albums that kind of, that. I think uh, they hit more now than they did maybe back in the day. This is definitely one of them. Uh, it's a, you know, like I said, it's a concept album. It goes, kind of talks about uh, the story of Nikki, who's a drug addict and becomes delusioned by the corrupt society and uh, starts getting involved in a revolution. But you kind of listen to some of the songs about the, the corrupt society and how they, they, it really almost hits home and is very, uh, Prophet, prophet ah, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, visionary, I guess, is what uh, what went on like during like COVID and stuff like that. Um, didn't sell a ton of albums, but it was uh, received very well by critics. Um, I think it's uh, classic rock named it as one of the ten essential progressive metal albums of all time. Loudwire ranked it as the uh, is the best heavy metal album of 1988. Rolling Stone had his 67th on their list of the 100 greatest metal albums of all time. Um, some of the great songs off of it are the big songs that were uh, released off. It were Eyes of a Stranger and I Don't Believe in Love um, were the two, I guess, like quote, unquote, hits off of it. But if you go and listen to the album itself, you know, Revol I love the song Revolution Calling. Um, and I love the song spreading the disease. I mean, I think those are something, if you just go listen to those, um, those are great, but it's, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's a little bit different, I think, but like, I, I just, I love, I, I, I would think if you went back to like 1988 Brock, I wouldn't have said, I love this album, but 2023 Brock definitely does. And, uh, I just think it's a great album from start to finish and, um, it tells a great story throughout, you know, which is is hard to see sometimes in rock. So, 
Yeah, I mean, that was um, that was one of the two or three that kind of missed my list, uh, but definitely uh, a good album. For me, number 13 was Living Color, right? Their vivid album. Double platinum debut album, right? May 3rd, 1988, peaked at number six on the U.S. Billboard 200. Um, ranks number 71 on Rolling Stone's greatest metal albums of all time. And the hit was Cult of Personality, right? Peaked at number 13 on the U.S. Billboard, Hot 100, number nine on the U.S. Billboard, Mainstream Rock, for best hard rock performance at the 32nd Annual Grammy Awards. Its music video won MTV Music Award for best group video and MTV Video Music Award for best new artist. Um, such an iconic song right i mean the album itself maybe overall is not the best but it has some good hits but that song today and today it's such a political stance it's such a pop stance right because we're seeing seeing a punk if you're a wrestling fan this is his come out on stage song, right? And I have never seen a concert where they play this that it didn't get the pop and him come out on stage, right? When he's coming out for the wrestling ring, when that song hits, man, that place goes freaking. There's not many songs that can do that, right? That can transcend different, what's the word, different uh, professions, right? Because you're, they are musicians, but this has transcended over into wrestling, and I don't think they could have asked for a better ambassador than CM Punk. I mean, whether it was WWF or WWE or AEW, um, it's just one of those songs, man, that uh, is one of the all-time greats. And with the awards, right? A Grammy Award, Music Award, um, that album just rocks and that song gets played over and over and over and it's one of those songs that no, many no matter how many times it gets played radio or whatever it's a huge hit right it's well received um, this album is kind of based more on that song they had some other good songs, but man, for a debut album and an and a overall top hit, you couldn't ask for a better one. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I think it's a pretty solid album, but it's it's definitely remembered for uh, the culture personality song, um, you know. And I I I I think a lot of people probably didn't give it the full listen just due to that, right? Like it, yeah, you know. And and I think that happens when you have a, you know, I, I got one up on my that's higher on my list. It's, it's not this album, but it's, I think it's a similar where it has a song that defines the album, but like the album is really good despite it. You know, like I think if you could take that out, you can throw that song out and it's still a pretty good album that hopefully people should listen to. So. Right. And the nostalgia aspect, right? Like back in the day, this, this song was a banger. I mean, clearly it won a Grammy and all this, but 
now you fast forward to 2023 or hit now than it was back then. And that's hard to say when you have a song that's that's won a Grammy, won MTV music video awards. That's pretty stout when yeah. what we said um what do we say? Eighty um eighty-eight. So you're looking at twelve you're looking at 35 years later when this song debuted, this album debuted, it's got a bigger following now. Nostalgia-wise, pop-wise, it's probably bigger now than it was back then, and it was a huge hit back then. Yeah. You just outmathed me. I've been saying 24 or 25 years later, and I just you just reminded me it was 35. Well, Fuck, I'm, you know. I'm old. I got outmathed by Tennessee tonight. Fucking A. I need, hey, I need to reevaluate. You know, I need to reevaluate. Not good at many things, but math is one of them. So I need hey, to it takes all my fingers and toes, <laughs> but I get there, right? I need to reevaluate my life or something. So um, I need to get my heart right. If somebody really would show yeah, I should. Yeah, so. you, you definitely need to get your heart right because I'm about to smoke you on this fucking list right now. I don't think so, yeah. Slick. Uh, my number because well, yeah. I, I this song ain't on this album ain't on your list, and it's a damn crying shame man um oh, i know what it is and it just missed I, my, my number I 12 list, i couldn't believe it my number 12 is uh cinderella with long cold winter um it was their second album i yes. reached up to number 10 um it's got gypsy road which is a great song coming home i look i love the song coming home that might be my favorite cinderella song um yep. last mile is a great song and then don't know you what you got till it's gone is arguably a top five 80s ballad of all time right oh yeah if you're doing ballads that's a major yeah and the thing is i don't ever really consider cinderella like a hair metal they're more like a bluesy kind of rock to me um you know because they don't they sound i I would go with that they sound you know them and tesla i kind of put in the same bucket right like i think that they're you know they're oh no 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 they're as i say they're a little bit different than your your poisons and your Motley Crues and your Bon Jovi's and your your other bands out there, right? At that time, they weren't really doing like the necessarily like the what you call the hair metal. You know, they were a little more maybe just a little more like the traditional rock and roll or whatever. You know, but um, I, I just I love this album all the way through. I think it's I, uh, I do get that. I, I think it's their. I mean, it's to me, it's easily their best album. You know, I it just uh, even the start, the 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 first song off it. You know, Bad Seamstress Blues, Falling Apart of the Seams, man. I mean, it's just a fucking great song. You know, it just kind of gets yeah. you going through the thing, and um, you know, I kind of uh, I'm kind of shocked at myself that I'm not like it's not higher up, but I just uh, you know, Cinderella is often I think a long forgotten like '80s rock band that shouldn't be because. Between this album, their debut, and the and even the album after it, man. I mean, they put some good stuff out there um, that you know folks should listen to. And uh, you know, I mean, it you know platinum album. I mean, it charted really high. You know, it had number one hits. I mean, I think "Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone" was all over fucking MTV. You know, till you were people were blue in the face and probably sick of hearing it. You know, so uh, three million copies of it sold in the United States. You know, which is awesome and um 
got you know uh, 50 rock albums that every fan should know. Uh, Rolling Stone put it at number 42. You know, that's all time rock albums. 50 greatest hair metal albums of all time. Um, Rolling Stones put it at number 10. Um, you know, so obviously it you know it got it garnered some attention on some different things. You know, so uh, and somehow it sold 25,000 copies in Switzerland. And I think Switzerland's population <laughs> is 25,000. So. <laughs> everybody there bought one <laughs> so uh <laughs> um but no i i think it's a great album it's got some classic oh, classic uh hits off it definitely so yeah i mean like i said that album is so good don't know what you got till it's gone uh gypsy road i mean that album just freaking missed for me i mean it literally was like 14 15 range um and i had it in the top 10 for a while but um as i started going down the list i, I had to move it down uh but definitely on that so number 12 for me was jane's addiction right nothing shocking album this is their debut album released on august 23rd 1988 it peaked at number 103 on the u.s billboard top 200 and the hits were Mountain Song and Jane Says, and Jane Says was number six on the U.S. Billboard Alternative Airplay, right? And I think when you think Jane's Addiction, those two songs are Jane Says. Everybody knows Jane Says. Jane Says, you know, it's just such a classic, but I think to their default, <clears throat> It was kind of more of, <clears throat> excuse me, it was kind of more of that alternative punk stuff. And at that time, it really hadn't took off, right? So um, I kind of look at them, you know, I kind of look at them in a, in a way a little bit like founding fathers in a way. It was, I think this, if this had come out five, 10 years later, I think there's a massive, massive hit with this, uh, bigger than what it was when it came out. Well, and I love this album. I, I actually I'm a little higher on it than you had it rated. Um, you know, I think that well, for one, like Dave Navarro is a fucking guitar god, and if people don't realize that, then they don't even know what they're listening to. Um, because <laughs> he's like, not I only mean, a guitar god, he's a he's a he's a human god with Carmen Electra. We're not worthy. Yeah. We're not worthy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like even on songs that like aren't necessarily like, you know, heavy or fast or stuff like that. I mean, he just does shit and it's like, man, this dude can just play. Right. Yeah. He's, um, he's something else. You know, but like, you know, I think they're a little bit of a precursor to, you know, maybe they opened the doors a little bit for like what happened with Seattle and all that, you know, and stuff. And then what, you know, like later in the nineties and things, you know, because they were different. Nobody's no, no nobody was put out anything in 1988 yeah, yeah. like this album here. Right. And not even yeah. close. Right. You know, because, um, you know, Jane says Mount, mountain songs, are, mountain songs, a freaking awesome song. I mean, that's oh, a song. That, awesome. Dude. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's just a great tune. And I think that's something everybody should listen to, but yeah, I, I don't, you know, like I said, I would, I'm not gonna pull hairs. I think I'm like I'm like two or three albums higher on it than you are, so you know. So like, uh, but yeah, it's just a, I, I love it. It's a great album and another band too that like they came in and they had this and then Ritual Diesel Habitol and and then they 
you know, they, they kind of implode or whatever, right? And, you know, you're just like, man, I wish they would have stuck together because how much great music could have they had in the 90s and 2000s and stuff like that if uh, egos and life and whatever wouldn't have gotten involved and stuff, right? So, uh, no, I, I'm with you on the uh, on that there. So, my number, uh, what am I, 11? Number 11. All right. You got to help me with counting, experiment. I'm not good at it tonight. Um, as a uh, Danzig with their uh, with his debut album, <laughs> uh, or I should say his solo debut album from Danzig, right? Because he as part of the uh, Misfits prior, um, you know, this was the first thing he did on his own. And man, did guy he came out of the park and you know just he just freaking hit a home run. So um, it's it's known for Mother, of course. Um, and that was so disappointed in you having missed this low. Ah. Uh, it's tough when you hear the rest. Our of buddy game. Sean would have, he would be berating you. Nah, nah he would not either. Right he now. Even... If he knew how. Nah, 11, uh, bullshit. 11's a solid ah. spot for it. Cause I, I, I can justify every album ahead of it. And I'm fine with that, you know? No so, well, I mean, I think it's got, you know, if you look at the album, you know, you're going to say that you got twist of cane, she rides and mother, you got three songs. And I guarantee every album I have above this has more than three songs that I would say are great. You know, am I fine? Yeah. Am I demons? Okay. Not us real. Yeah. I mean, there's some okay stuff on there, but like, you know, it's, it, but it's another album though too. I think it's lost in the things though, because of mother, right? Because that was such an epic hit, a huge hit um, for them. Right. Like that. But I, I, and I honestly think the best song on that is twist of Cain is my, that's right. That's, I mean, that just kind of sets it off from the word go. So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Rolling Stone had is their 23rd greatest metal album of all time. Um, you know, it kind of reintroduced Glenn Danzig, right? Because he was, like I said, he was the Misfits guy. And, um, you know, this kind of put him back on the map for a while, you know? So, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's a good album and, you know, you could say it's too low or whatever, but you know, I don't, I don't think it's, uh, I, I think it's uh, justifiably where I have it based on you know what I have ahead of it. So, right, and I, I just busting your balls. I actually have that at number nine. Um, <laughs> you get two more spots. Yeah, I fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you picked it, it. You know it. <laughs> It peaked at number 125 on the U.S. Billboard 200, right? You talked about Twist of Cain, I Am Demon, Mother. Mother is the big one, right? Number 17 on the U.S. Billboard Mainstream Rock Tracks. Number 8 on Billboard Hot 100. Um, when you think of dancing, Twist of Cain and Mother are two of the bigger songs, right? Um career um just absolutely i think ahead of his time right again we, we talked about some of these other guys give him another five ten years and and let this come out i think he's much bigger this band is much bigger and it gets received much bigger than what it is <clears throat> um so number 11 for me and uh man i just can't of uh, of these guys. So for, for me, number 11, 
was Tesla, the great radio controversy, right? Double Platinum, second album released on February 1st of 1989. It peaked at number 18 overall on the U.S. Billboard Top 200. On the U.S. Billboard Top 200, number 7. On the U.S. Billboard Mainstream Rock Tracks, Heaven's Trail, number 13. Uh, and then Paradise was uh, another one. Um, if you know me, I'm a huge Tesla fan. Wearing a shirt right now, Tesla. Um, and I think this was just, this album doesn't get the respect that it truly deserves. It's, uh, man, I mean, it's just on another level. Uh and it had three big songs, right? Like I said, Love Song, Heaven's Trail, and Paradise. And I think Paradise, you know, Love Song is probably the biggest hit of, off the album. But geez, Louise, Paradise is as good or better than that song. Um, following, right? Um couple weeks ago I went to the I went out to the gas station to uh, pick up a six year or two and had the shirt on and um, wasn't thinking anything about it went in the store and come out and the dude, fucking great shirt and I was like nah fucking great band he's like you're right um, I think they kind of get dinged a little bit because they're they're better songs right Are kind of more of the, but man, they are so freaking good, dude. Just so freaking good. Yeah, they are. I mean, I, I, I just missed it with this one here. I mean, I, for whatever reason, my, shame my, on you. My go-to Tesla album has always been Psychotic Supper. Um, you know, not that I hate this one or anything like that. I think that's you know, uh, you know, but yeah, I, with all you said, I. I I truly, I do like, I love the album, right? Like, so it was a hard one not to, uh, to put on there for me. So, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think you suck too much for having it on there. So, <laughs> um, this one here, like I, I, cause I, 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 I have your list in the notes and I scroll through it and I'm interested to see why you don't say this is in your top, uh, 13 because i know you're a fan of this band too so it kind of shocks me that i don't see it in there um but my number 10 right i'm gonna do this all night just to help make you think you're smart about math hollywood um my number 10 is aerosmith with pump uh their 10th studio album at the time is released on september 12 1989 uh, peaked at number five on the U.S. charts. It contains Love in an Elevator on the Other Side, What It Takes, and Janie's Got a Gun. Um, Janie's Got a Gun to me is, as far as a, a a deep meaning song, like that might be the 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 top of the freaking mountain right there, right? <laughs> when you think about the lyrics of that and um, everything they talk about, it sold seven million copies in the U.S. Uh, 
you know, Aerosmith kind of, you know, they had their 70s Aerosmith. And then I know they came back with, uh, oh, uh, Permanent Vacation in like uh, 86 or 87, whatever that came out. And then Pump came out, you know, they kind of like reinvented themselves a little bit. But, um, man, I mean, just, you know, those four songs there, you know, and then, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, other songs on there, like uh, My Girl is a great song. Uh, even monkey on my back. I mean, this, this might be Aerosmith's outside of their seventies. Easy, easy outside of seventies Aerosmith. This is, this to me is the best album Aerosmith did out after that. Right. Like I, I prefer this over, over uh permanent vacation. I prefer it over get a grip. Um, I just think it's great. You know, and like I said, I'm kind of surprised to see that it wasn't in there for you, but, uh, I, I I love it. I I mean Aerosmith's. I mean definitely they're iconic, you know. And I think this is uh, you know, just you know part of their thing. And and, and saying they got albums like better than other, that's like splitting hairs, you know. That's like saying Michael Jordan's tenth game was better than his eleventh game. Right? You know, I mean <laughs> right? shit, these guys are they're fucking legends <laughs> for a reason, you know. So, um, but yeah, I I just like I said, I just I love it, and the and the fact that you got. You got three really great songs on there, and then you you add like you add Janie's got a gun to it. That is as just a, I mean as, as big as any song and as great as any song ever written, almost I think so. Right. So so in my defense, one of two things happened. You drank too much. And, <laughs> fuck you. Okay, three things. Three things. Jesus. Christ, freaking fuck you! But like I said, I look at Wikipedia and I put in, you know, when we do these years, I put in list of albums of 1988 or 1989 or 2000, whatever the year is, and it pulls up the whole list of albums from every genre that was that came out that year from January 1st till December 31st, right? So either that album. Didn't come out in this time frame. Possible I missed it because of reason number one that Choppy come out with. So fuck you. Um, but you know, I mean, the album itself was great. I'm I'm with you on that. Um, I'd have to go back and look. Maybe I missed it. Uh, it's very possible. Um, but yeah. Um, I almost and I've not looked at your list. So I'm curious to A, if you have it, but more importantly, B, if you don't have it, why? And number 10 for me was Lita Ford, her Lita album, which was her third album. It was it went platinum on February 2nd of 1988, peaked at number 29 on the U.S. Billboard Top 200. The hits were Back to the Cave, which hit number 10, Kiss Me Deadly, and Close My Eyes Forever, which may be songs. Why? Because it was a duet with the Prince of Darkness, Ozzy Osbourne. Um, a true ballad song. And back in that era, you didn't have a lot of her and him, he and she duets, right? You didn't see a lot of that. 
And I think for them to come together and put this song out, it was a huge hit back then. And I think it's like it even more now, right? I think it's such an underrated song. I think this is such an underrated album, right? Because uh, she's doing kind of the glam rock, the you know, the rock and roll stuff. Um, she kind of separated herself from back in the day. Uh, so to team up with Ozzy and come out with this ballad song that just really put her on the charts because everybody knows who Ozzy is, right? I mean, that was uh, Close My Eyes Forever, number eight on the U.S. Billboard Top 100. That's that's pretty legit. So, yeah, Lita Ford's Lita album at number 10 for me. Um. I, well, I, I, yeah, I see. Like, I think that album has two songs, right? It's Kiss Me Deadly and the Close My Eyes Forever, and they're, they're good songs, but I don't see, like, I mean, there's, you know, crap on there, I think, you know, now I think Back to the Cave. That's a fine song, like, you know, but I just, it's I don't good. know. You need to go to live different from everything that you're hearing now, but that's a legit song. Yeah. I, I, I I don't hate it. I just it didn't. It was never really in like like uh, strong uh, consideration for me. I guess I should say so. Well, you suck. Yeah. Well, we know that. Um, we already talked about my number nine was uh, Jane's Addiction with nothing shocking. Um, you know, I guess I'll, I'll say about that. We'll move on to yours. Is if you haven't really sat. My number nine was a uh, well. Well, my number nine was dancing, so we already talked about okay, that. Okay, so, so I guess I can jump into my number eight then, huh? Yeah, number eight. Um, my number eight, this, this band here kind of like, you know, and I, I don't think you're a fan of them, I guess. I, and that's cool um, because they're to each their own, right? That's the, that's the beautiful thing about music, right? Like it's not cooking right. better, right? So, um, but my number eight and these guys here set off the whole kind of like electronic, uh, you know, underground kind of whatever you want to call it rock, right? Like the synthetic, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, it's a little bit different. You know, they're recording, you know, uh, the, the freaking uh, Trent played every freaking instrument on the album, right? It wasn't uh, really so, um, yeah, it wasn't a band, you know, it's like, you know, he does that and they, they throw some shit together for a tour or whatever. Right. But um, nine inch nails with pretty hate machine. Um, I, you know, the album didn't sell or shit. It didn't, you know, it didn't chart. It didn't do all these other things, man. But if you sit down and listen to it, and if you're a fan at all, right, and especially what Nine Inch Nails and some of that stuff, like what they morphed it, what some of the bands that came later after them, right, that were huge. Um, you know, this kind of started it all, man. And I, and I just, uh, you know... I mean, it got five star ratings from like Rolling Stone, uh, all music. It's, you know, like I said, it didn't, it didn't sell a ton, but uh, who cares about that? But like you listen to it, like Head Like a Hole, uh, Sanctified, Something I Can Never Have. I mean, it is got truly great songs all the way from start to, from start to finish on it for me. Um, I, it's a, to me, it's a better album than, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm going to forget the name of it. The uh, one they released in 1994. Um, 
You like how you can't name the album, but I can name the year. That's even something more fucked. Oh, downward spiral. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I think it's a better album from like start to finish to that, you know. And it's I I've I've been a huge Nine Inch Nails fan, and I always will be. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it's like it, it's it's unique music, and it's something that I think that. You know, you think of bands that like, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some that had some huge hits. And I don't, I'm not saying it, it created a whole genre like uh, grunge that, you know, blew the world off, you know, things like that. It didn't do that. But, you know, you have bands like, uh, you know, Orgy and, uh, oh, man, what are some other ones? Uh, Static X, maybe, and some of those that kind of, you know, followed some similar lines. And that's what they, uh, you know, this kind of started it. So, yeah, I mean, just missed for me, kind of in that 14 to 20 range. Um, Reznor I, himself, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves, right? Because he, he's doing the nine-inch snail things. A lot of people don't like that stuff, right? But, man, some of the stuff that he's wrote non-nine-inch snails, like soundtrack stuff, freaking wrote songs for other people, Let's say, I mean, he's he's one of the greatest, let's just call it, he's one of the greatest composers of this era. Yes, right? yes, composers, you know? yes. He is freaking off the chain you know, because, some of the shit that he does. You know, and his, I mean, his albums are great and, you know, and, and but that, yeah, he's just, I mean, not a guy that gets uh, enough uh, probably appreciation from the masses, right? Because he's never really, other than, uh, other than, uh, yeah, I forgot the name of the fucking album again. Um, Downward Spiral. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, other other than that album, there he's nearly never had like a ton of commercial success from one album, right? Right. Um, and he got a little credit from doing the Johnny Cash song. Right? Yeah, I but forget, like if I you go with what the name of it is, but if you sit down and just like listen to his catalog throughout, and you know everything he's put out there, and like you said, he's got some soundtrack stuff and things like that. You know that, um, you know, truly like one of the most. Uh, musically innovative minds of the last 50 years probably easily you easily know, so um where are we at number eight number eight or okay so i'm curious like i said i haven't really looked at your list i just skimmed over it so i don't know if it's there or not um, so my number eight was Warrant, Dirty, Rotten, Stinking Rich, Double Platinum debut album. Their debut album already went double platinum, was released on January 31st, 1989, peaked at number 10 on the U.S. Billboard 200. The album had four big hits landing on the U.S. Billboard Top 100. Heaven, number two, Sometimes Some Boys, number 27, and Big Talk. Um, man, what a freaking album. I mean, they're kind of known for maybe some of their ballad songs. Um, but, man, this, this album just kind of kicked ass from start to finish. I mean, you've got four songs in the top 100, 
Griffin might lead the way, right? I mean, seriously, if you're talking about a ballad zone, that thing hit number two and kind of epitomized that era, right? That slow ballad, you know, everybody's doing the rock and roll thing, but that slow ballad thing, rock ballads, right? It was a whole genre. Um, well, they did. I mean, sometimes she cries. Is that you know? It's that big rock ballad too. You know, I think. Right, the, right. I think the thing for me on that album there. I mean, I love Warrant. I don't want to sound like I don't, but like it was so. It was like almost too balladly. You know, it's like we're just gonna we're just gonna put out ballads because we know that you know. Oh my gosh, there's an acoustic I, guitar. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> you no, know? I I get that. Right, I get that it's kind of too ballady or whatever. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, you you can't freaking deny that album at that time in that era. No, I think, it, I think it was fine, and I think the I mean I, I think the impressive, ass, I think the impressive thing for Warrant and uh, and I know we both have this album higher, so I'll mention it for Skid Row is that both of these bands like really didn't have their debut album until 1989, and when you think about that, that's when like hair rock and hair metal, whatever you want to call it, was kind of on its uh, last leg, right? And, you know, the fact that both of those bands kind of, you know, they came out then and they had some stuff that stuck is, is I think, is pretty impressive. So um, I, I don't, I didn't have it on my list. I love Warren. I love, you know, to me, like, it was just too. Well, you suck because you clearly don't know music. Well, we've already established this again. It, so Gosh, what am I? I have to carry. I have to carry your ass in every fucking. Yeah, well, somebody's got to. Um, I know you'll be higher on this album here, and, I, and God, man, this one's a tough one for me too. Because I was, this is where I landed with it. I've had it everywhere from number one to what are we at seven? Um, and and probably maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think that uh, you know whatever, who cares? Um, it is uh, Metallica with and Justice for All. Um, it was released on September 7th, 1988. Uh, first album to have Jason Newstead on it um, after uh, Cliff Burton had uh, had passed away with the uh, bus accident. Um, you know, like I, I really like the album. I think it's strong from top to back, from top to bottom. The people that uh, are going to remember it for one of course, because that's the, uh, you know, that's the heavy hitter off the thing, but, um, Harvester Sorrow, Eye of the Beholder, the, uh, title track and Justice for All, um, the, uh, Blackened is a great song, you know, I, it's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's a really, it's a really great, I, I, it's a really good album. I, I mean, it, to me, this is the last true Metallica album, um, before they, became the corporate machine for the black album. And then they went off and did whatever the fuck they did after that. And I'm not even, you know, oh, I, I fucking see, stop with your bullshit. I see you shrugging your shoulders. I'm not saying I hate fucking <sighs> fuel and refuel, or I hate the black album. I'm just saying, this is like the last, you know, when I could, this is, you know, you had kill them all. You had ride the lightning, you had master of puppets and you have injustice for all. Like that's the core of the start of Metallica. You know, and if you want the real, the real thrash Metallica, that's it, right? When they went to the Black Album, I don't know if this is a thing or if I'm making up a thing. They're like the, 
the pop radio friendly metal album, right? I'm not, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm not dissing it, but that's what it is. You got Bob Rock, you got all this other shit. You're making, I mean, fucking Motley Crue does Dr. Feelgood, and it's their best album, you know? <laughs> um, so, but so anyway, so yeah, my uh, number seven was the uh, Injustice for All. And, uh, you know, that's where I'm at. So I'm a little higher on that album than you. I'll get to it in a minute. Number seven for me, Megadeth. So far, so good, so what, right? It was their platinum third album released on January 9th, 1988. Peaked at number 10, U.S. Billboard Top 200. The hits were Anarchy in the USA, which was a Sex Pistols cover, Mary Jane, In My Darkest hour which best song off of this album it's just freaking when you think of megadeth's catalog for me i think that song is easily in their top five in my darkest hour uh and it and in in 2018 billboard ranked that song the fifth on their list of the 15 best megadeth songs and i agree when you're when you look at their whole catalog, probably top five. Loudwire called the song one of Mustaine's greatest songs, and it ranked as the seventh best Megadeth song. Metal Hammer called it one of the most overlooked songs in overlooked Megadeth songs. Um, I mean, they've had such great history you know everybody knows the story Halka forming his own band Megadeth and for him I think that was the right move because look here we are what 30 40 years later and he's easily one of if not the best front men for heavy metal, um, heavy metal, right? Um, it's just how many people can actually say, "Hey, I was a member of Metallica, left them, and created my own band, and I'm just as popular," right? Because you're thinking, you go back, they're one of well, the big four: Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer. And Anthrax, right? They do the big four tour. And it's hard to disagree with that. Um, I think Mustaine is one of the politically, because he does a lot of songs. If you listen, he does a lot of songs that hit politically, right? He touches some stuff. Um, just pure metal, he does that too. Uh, pure rock and roll. He does that. He's so inventive and and he's such a genius with some of his stuff. And he, if you listen to some of his music, like Symphony of Destruction album, Hello Me, It's Me Again. Nobody was doing that back in the time, right? So I think he he's he came out of the traditional stuff, and I think that's what makes him so good, man. But in my darkest hour, man, is just. Off this album, getting back to that, In My Darkest Hour is just in 
freaking thing. Just, I think it's easily one of their best five songs ever. Just crazy what he does with that. I think I think the thing it's it's got some has some Metallica tones to it in a way a little bit. The early years, I'm saying. Well, I don't think that like uh, one. I mean, like everyone says that he was a member of Metallica, right? And he was, but I mean. He never recorded a song for him. He helped write some of the stuff on the first album, but they kicked him off before they recorded the first album. Right. So what really was he, you know, um, I, I think my problem True. with Mustaine is, True. is that he's, his albums to me always have like a couple things that really hit. And then it's a lot of stuff. And that's kind of where I was with this album with him here too. Right. Like in my darkest hour, I love that song. You know, it's fucking gangster. But then he's got other stuff. It's just like, okay, why? What am I even listening to here? You know, and um, you know that I, that's kind of my roller coaster I am with Megadeth. I think if you would just give me a a Megadeth top forty, I'll put his top forty songs up with anybody, right? But then his forty one through a hundred, I'm like, you know, that's where he kind of loses me. It seems like sometimes, you know. So um, I've never been yeah, alone. But, but how many people? Excuse me. How many people, how many bands, you said his top 40, I'll put against anyone, 41 through 100 or whatever. That's where he loses. How many bands or whatever that have, let's say, a top 25, after that, how many bands or whatever can really contend with him after? It's a longevity thing, right? I mean, I can name off In My Darkest Hour, Hanger 13, uh, 13, which is a later song, uh, Cryptic Writings. I mean, yeah, but like, I mean, let's just let's just compare him to, um, well, let's just compare him to Metallica for a second, right? You know, like he doesn't have songs like, uh, you know, Harvester of Sorrow that wasn't a hit for him. That's just a great song. Like, you know, like either his songs hit or they missed, in my opinion. And so, you know, that's kind of how his albums went. He's got like, he's got two or three great songs on every album he does. But then after that, it's just kind of like, I can't sit down and listen to a Megadeth album, period. All the way from front to back, I can't listen to a Megadeth album because he, I, he'll have a couple on there I like, but the rest of it, it's like, yeah, I can move on. Yeah. But, See, I, I think he's I think they get such he gets so overlooked underrated because they're more the true you know they were part of that thrash heavy metal genre and they've kept that up right where Montalica's kind of changed to your point they've kind of held their own with dystopia um and I go back to Countdown to Extinction, right? Probably their greatest album front to back, catalog-wise. That's probably their greatest album of all time. And that whole fucking album was so eclectic, right? 
from Countdown to Extinction to Skin of My Teeth, which has Skin of My Teeth has one of the best just gifts right in the middle of something. I mean, just freaking out of nowhere. Um, and they've not changed much. I mean, I, I know they've changed some, but not to the whole that some of the others have. Um, I just think for me, I feel like they get overlooked because they've not changed, right? They, they are who they are. Uh, they're a little political. They're a little hardcore. They're, they're that, that metal band. They've not really over time. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I said, I, I, I like their songs and I would, you know, I'd, if, if we said, uh, you know, let's take the 13 heavy metal acts with the greatest hits catalog that we like best. They, he'd probably be in there, but I don't know if I'd ever read an album of his in my top 13 of anything. So, um, can't with you. I fucking can't with you. Yeah, good. I'll learn to do it. Uh, number, what am I at? Six? Number and, six. Uh, another one six. that, you know, Mr. Frickin' Einstein of music over here probably doesn't have on his <laughs> list is the, uh, this is the third album from uh, Faith No More. Uh, it was recorded, released on June 20th, 1989. Um, it's the real thing. It's got uh, a big hit off it, of course, is Epic, which is maybe the greatest song of the freaking 80s or 90s. It was released in the 90s on the album released in the 80s. So wherever you want to put it. Right. But Epic, I mean, that, that's 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 a freaking top of the notch song there. Right. Um, yes. Falling to pieces from out of nowhere. Surprise, you're dead. Edge of the world or some other that. Uh, charted off of that were great um it was uh i easily faith no more's most successful album um i can't even find where it uh said what it sold here but uh oh what do we got here yeah yeah it was platinum in the united states said it sold a million copies it peaked at number 11 in the u.s um it uh Rolling Stone had it as 100, 105 on its 500 greatest albums of all time. Kerrang! had it as the album of year of 1989. Um, sounds had it number 20. I don't know what the fuck Sounds is, but way to go, Sounds. Um, it was on the uh, list of a 1,000 albums you should listen to before you die by uh, some guy that put out an album list like that, apparently. so. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's... it's you know, I, I mentioned that... Uh, when we talked about uh, uh, Living Color, right, earlier, where there was an album that I think everybody just goes to that album, they want to listen to Epic, and then they move on with their life. And you're doing yourself a disservice when you do that because from top to bottom, this album freaking cuts loose. It kind of is one of the early precursors to that like whole rap rock thing that, starts happening right um you yep. know and yep. and it's you know it's their, it's their first album with Patton as their lead singer and stuff and i just uh you know i love it you know and, and i think it, it to me epic is a i mean i mean that's a top 25 50 song of all time 
I mean, that, you know, I don't know. We, I don't, when that song was released, I don't know if you'd heard anything like it. And I don't know if you've heard anything like it since, <laughs> as, as far as it goes, you right. know. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, that's my, uh, I don't know where we're at, number six or whatever and, album. So, and like I said, maybe the list that I was pulling from, like I said, I went to Wikipedia. So maybe it's not exactly correct. But yeah, if, if you're going with that, I definitely agree. Epic is. And I think you said it perfectly. You never heard anything like that at the time. And you've never heard anything like that since, right? Um, I did not have it in my top 13 just because based off on Wikipedia or maybe I missed it. It's, it's very possible. Um, and this is one that I think we find and I really don't know where to put them right are they rock are they rap whatever they are and at the time they came out I don't think that there was the genre section wasn't as huge as it is now but at number six for me was Beastie Boys Paul's Boutique double platinum second album released on July 25th of 89 Picked at number 14 on the U.S. Billboard. It was ranked number 37 on Blender's The 100 Greatest American Albums of All Time, ranked number 74 on VH1's Top 100 Albums, and the hits were Hey Ladies and High Flames Drifters. Such a freaking great album. I mean, they were doing their... They were doing their thing and not giving a fuck or a shit before anybody else was doing that, right? We talk about grunge coming along and we talk about punk coming along. And you got three freaking Jewish white boys just coming out here, just freaking giving it their all, right? doing something that nobody you've got heavy metal and you've got hair bands and you've got whatever and they were like fuck it we're doing our own thing right and they yeah. made, this is not even one of their best albums no and, I, and I, I hate to put beastie boys on this list because i don't know i mean maybe you can help me are they rock are they rap i mean are they a mix? I mean, I don't know what to do with them. I feel like I think, they deserve I, to be here, but at the same time, I'm feeling like, well, they don't really fit. So, I think the best thing about like music and what you want to like, like, I think you define music as what you'd want to define it as. And so, if you want to say that you think Beastie Boys are rock, and you're saying like, what are my favorite rock albums that year, and you put it in it, that's that's all well and good, right? I don't necessarily, you know. To me, like when I think of Beastie Boys and the albums I like, that's not that's not an album for me, right? I'm not saying it's bad or nothing, but you know, that's not one of my that's not one of my favorite Beastie Boy albums. And no, it's not one of your favorite Beastie Boy albums, but in that time frame, I think it's one of the best best albums. 
is do they truly fit what we're doing as a podcast, right? Rock, metal, alternative, punk, classic rock, whatever. Or are they more rap? And we've talked about this before on multiple shows before. I, I just don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Or we'll define them as. And, but for me, if we're if we're kind of leaving it open, yeah. I think they have to be included because I had this. I had this album on a cassette tape. And I wore that much. Well, and I think you also got like uh um you know like I don't know. I just I just hate when we def- we don't need to define things because when you do, then you could say like, well, I don't believe you put that album in here. That's an alternative album and shit, right? You right. Know? So I mean, I, I Beastie Boys are are uh, genre bending. You know, <laughs> you know they're kind of you know they are their own. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're cool, man. So um, we at five. Could you, and not to get sidetracked here, but could you imagine 2023 if the Beastie Boys come out right now, debuted right now with what we know they have, if they debuted right now going forward? Jesus. They'd be off the fucking chart, destroy people right now. Yeah. Um, my number five, and I, I'm guessing we're probably pretty close on this. And I don't know. I'd be interested to see how our top five pairs out here. But I've got uh, I got Skid Row with their debut album, Skid Row. Um, I think we've talked about this on debut albums and some other things that we've done. Uh, it was we've released about a number of times. Yeah. January 24th, 1989. Uh you know, Youth Gone Wild, 18 in Life, I Remember You, Piece of Me, we're all huge. Um, five times platinum, so it recorded, you know, so over 5 million copies in the United States. Um, it was recorded in Wisconsin, so you have to give Kylina some props for that. I think he lives in Wisconsin. <laughs> or does he live in a... Michigan. I get confused because he's a Michigan fan. Man, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ball Sack. It's all the same. Yeah, it's all the same. So um, same area, man. You know, and like I mean, but beyond that, you know, Big Gun, Sweet Little Sister, Rattlesnake Shake. I mean, it's a really good album, right? I mean, I know it's got the hits off of it, but I think it's very solid, right? It's got uh 10 or 11 songs, and I it's one that you can listen to the whole thing. You don't have to say, Well, I'm just gonna play the hits and move on with my life you know, sit down and enjoy this thing, you know, and, um, and another, you know, we, when I talked about with warrant, uh, you know, a, a hair band that kind of released in 1989, right at the end of it, but they, they made a legacy with this. And then with, uh, uh, slave to the grind that came out either the next year or the year after, um, you know, just, uh, it, it's just great. I mean, I, 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 18 in life is, a game changer song, right? That's, that's one of the, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, um, Aerosmith with, uh, Janie's got a gun, right? 18 in life is along those lines. Right. Um, you know, and just great. And then, you know, I remember you again, you want to put your 1980s hair metal ballads into a 
in a thing. I mean, I remember you is is on everybody's list, right? I mean, it's as good as anything out there. So um, that that was my number five. I think it's just you know, it's now we've talked about, and I'm sure you'll have it here in another notch or two, or maybe this one here, and we'll talk about it again in a minute. So um, yeah, um, I did have it a little higher than you. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, we'll get to it in a minute. I'll run through it real quick. But for me, number five, New Jersey album, right? Seven-time platinum, fourth album, released on September 19th of 88. The album hit number one overall in the U.S. Board, U.S. Billboard Top 200, number one in five other countries. It produced five Billboard Hot 100 Top 10 hits. The most top 10 hits to date for any glam metal album. Um, the hits were Bad Medicine, I'll Be for, I'll be There For You, which both hit number one. He peaked at number seven, and Living in Sin peaked at number nine. Um, everybody knows Bad Medicine, right? You're, you're cranking it up, you're turning it there. I'll Be There For You was kind of more of a ballad song. These five words, I swear to you. <laughs> right. But I have to tell you, even with Bad Medicine and I'll Be There For You, I kind of think, lay your hands on me, favorite off that album. I mean, that motherfucker rocks, dude. It just freaking rocks. They let it roll. It's such a great freaking song. Um, Four top ten hits. I mean, that's – and this was their fourth album, right? You kind of expect this with – you know, in your first three albums, we talk about this a lot, and, and we – and I think that's why we mention what album this is and how, how successful it was. In your first three albums, that's where you had your success, right? This was their fourth album, and they freaking nailed it. Seven-time platinum. And you got four top ten hits. Um, that's hard to beat. But Lay Your Hands on Me, I think, is probably, for me, my favorite song off this album. Yeah. Well, this is when Bon Jovi ruled the world, too, almost, right? Oh, yeah. They were you know? fucking kicking people's ass at this time. And so, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't make my list. And I, and I think the reason why is because, like, like Slippery When Wet is kind of my go-to Bon Jovi album. That's that's the one that like to me. See, I tried to take that out of it though. I tried to. Yeah, but I but I, I tried to separate favorite well, albums before the past and just look at the actual years. But I think that when they, I think they tried to replicate Slippery When Wet when they made New Jersey right, and and so. You know, you, you they, they followed the same formula. I don't think they really tried anything different or new for me, I guess, you know. So that's, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad album. I mean, it was one I considered in there, you know, and I think that's the thing when I, I think both of us could sit down and we could have 50 albums we could talk about tonight, right? <laughs> you know, that. you know, but we're an hour and a half in, we're 13, you know, so we would be at, <laughs> we'd, we'd be on this damn show for two days if we went all the way, <laughs> all the way through it. So, um, but no, it's like I mean, it's it's a it's a really good album, and they got some really great songs on it too. So, and you know, and we talked about Bon Jovi like before we went on the air, right? Like it was a 
band that was so great, but then like everybody had to hate him. And yeah. you know, and you, like you said, you, you're uh, bad medicine or whatever. I mean, every one of us was freaking jamming out to that shit back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a lying motherfucker if you're saying you went back in the day, you went yeah. sitting in your car, rolling come on the radio, you didn't crank that shit to 11 and you're freaking karaoke and that shit in your car. You're a lying motherfucker. Yeah. It, I did it. I still do it. If I, you know, if I, I rarely listen to the radio, but when I do, if that shit comes on, I'm turning it up and I'm letting it roll, man. Um, um yeah. So anyway, my, my number four, my number four, um, you probably thought it'd be higher on this one here too. Cause you, you might be shocked that I'm this low on this album, but my number four is Motley Crue with Dr. Feelgood. Um, I think it's their most, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the podcast saying it's not my favorite Motley Crue album. You know, I, I prefer shout at the devil and uh, too fast for love, but uh, man, this is that such a great album. And this is the, I mean, this is their, this is their black album. Right, this is their Bob Rock goddess, and uh, and, and made made the perfect. Oh, this is their blackout dickhead. Uh. Yeah, but but it is. But you got to love it, you know. And anyway, like when you go on and, and think about it, though, I mean, the Doctor Phil Kickstart my heart is the fucking Kickstart my heart's the fucking best. Is awesome. Like no, you can't Doctor Feelgood is the best song off that fucking. Oh, better album. better than Kickstart my heart. Yes. Get yes. The fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Oh Jesus! I'm done. I quit. I'm done. We'll end this shit right now. Fuck you're, the top. You're fired. <laughs> Great. You're but, insane. Uh... <laughs> you're <fucking fired. laughs> oh, I've been fired. Kalina would love it. <laughs> um, but no, uh, you know. And then you, you got that on there. You got uh, without you. You've got uh, don't go away, mad. Just go away. Um, but then you got all kinds of other songs, you know, like uh, Rattlesnake Shake and She Goes Down. And I mean, it, it's just a good fun listen all the way from start to finish. Right. You know, it's probably to me, the reason why I don't like it as much as I do. It, it's, it's not as dirty and grungy as like what Motley Crue started out. Right. It's more of a polished kind of perfect Motley Crue, which nobody wants a polished, perfect Motley Crue. You know, you want the Motley Crue with fucking Nikki Six fucking doped out. Tommy yeah. Lee chasing every freaking whore in L.A. Yeah, you know, all that's like pictures, freaking yeah. cocaine across CD cases. Yeah, yeah. The whole nine yards. You know, so they got that. You know, it's a great album. I love it, and it's. I mean, obviously, one I'm always going to listen to, and I, you know, love it for the year it's in and stuff. And it sold like, I mean, fucking damn thing sold like, I don't know, sold like bananas. You know, so it was. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And again, we I want to disclose, and I've said it multiple times, I don't know what list you and I are looking at that's different. Like I said, I went from Wikipedia. I know that's not the be-all, end-all. So I didn't have this album. It didn't show up on my list or, hey, as you said earlier. Um, so I didn't have it on my list. At number four, I had poison. Open up and say ah. 
it was their second album, went five time platinum, or was released on May 3rd of 98, peaked at number two on the US Billboard 200. And it proved to be the band's most successful release and spawned four hit singles. Nothing but a good time hit number six, All an Angel number 12, which was a cover song, a Loggins and Melissa. Messina cover song reached number one, and Every Rose has its thorn hit number one. So they had two number one hits, four top tens. Man, that freaking iconic album, right? A big tongue on the cover, right? Um, I think if you're going back. but a good time your mama don't dance and your daddy don't rock and roll great cover and you have every rose has this thorn which was a ballad the huge ballad right but man this album kind of epitomized that time frame right yeah I, I, poison is very like uh i mean i know they're different like genres of music but like kind of like megadeth to me like I love Poison's like greatest hits and everything they brought to it, and but like I don't know if they got an album I could listen to from start to finish. You know, like I mean, you know, like you look at the list on maybe now, not like, start to finish, but the, but having four top ten hits. No, I mean, that's, that's fine. Power, that's pretty fucking heavy for a for a for a band like I, that in that time. And I'm not saying it's not, but like. I don't even know if I could even play Love on the Rocks or Back to the Rocking Horse or Tearing Down the Walls or some of this other stuff on there, you know. So I'm not, you know, it, it was one I considered and stuff like that, you know. But I just, you know, Every Rose Has Its Thorn is a freaking epic song. Fallen Angel might actually be a better song than Every Rose Has Its Thorn, Ooh, in my opinion. Spicy. Um, spicy. I like it. You know, and nothing but a good time is an all-time rock banger. You know, and if you've ever been to a Poison show, I mean, that's the song that gets everybody kind of going. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like the, you know, I, I think that was the problem with a lot of the the 80s bands in this day and age as they got towards the end of the decade is they were putting out some great songs, but they weren't really putting out great albums, right? And so it kind of left the door open for, because you got to remember, this was, you had to buy the whole thing, right? You had to justify the buy the whole damn thing. And then you buy it and you're like, Oh yeah, this is great. This is great. And then you're listening to some called called back to the fucking rocking horse. And you're like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, I just paid $15 for this shit. Right. And you're pissed off all of a sudden, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe that's kind of some of the poison stuff, uh, the poison stuff I remember, I guess. So, um, are we on to three? Yeah, number three. I know yeah. you're going to say, I think you're going to be split on this one here, Hollywood, because you're going to be torn. You're going to be like, you're too low on this, but then like, you're going to be proud of me because I actually got it on my fucking list. Right? No, my top three, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking spot on my top three. Yeah, so but I'm, no, you're, you're going to be happy it's on here, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I know I'm lower than you on this because I'm, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's your number one. And, but like I said, I, I think deep inside, yeah. You might be proud of me just the fact that I mentioned it and I put it on here, but it's Tom Petty with Full Moon Fever. Um, yeah, 
you know, and my motherfucker. And so, and, and I think when you hear my top two, you might be say, okay, I see where Chop went there because I know Chop and the kind of shit he likes and the fact that he's a little stupid. Um, but uh, his so his debut album, right, well, as a solo artist, right, where he wasn't with uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. This is the first like Tom Petty solo project, right? Um, released April twenty fourth, nineteen eighty nine, day after my birthday. So hey, remember that for sending me birthday cards. Yeah, um, I forgot it. Fuck it. You that just hurts, man. Um, five times platinum in United Ooh. States, which means five million copies, but six times platinum in Canada, which means like a hundred thousand copies. So I don't understand the math. <laughs> but uh, it does. I'm not making that up. Like you look down here. So five times platinum in United States is five hundred thousand. Six times platinum in Canada is six hundred thousand. So that shit makes me laugh because we both know. We have some Canadian friends, Sean, B, Walsaka, Canada, Kyleena. Shots fired. That's why I laughed. I'm just saying. Yeah. I just, they need to explain that to me. Why why our platinum is bigger than theirs, but whatever. <laughs> um, it is. But anyway, uh, Free Fallen, man, got, <laughs> I won't back down. They've been running down a dream. You're so bad. Phil, this, Fucking a! This album just kicks ass. Like you, that I don't even. I I'm fucking say, disappointed. You have this at three. Well, you'll hear my knowing top. me. I'm disappointed. And the words you just said, this album kicks so much fucking ass. You got this motherfucker at number three. I'm just. You, you know what? My, we should just quit this show and just be done. You'll hear my next two, and you'll you'll know. Like I, I and I'm not really like I. Ah, fuck that. I I truly respect Tom Petty. And I, I like a lot of his music and stuff like that, you know, but like, I'm not like a, Tom Petty's not a go-to for me, right? I mean, Get I- Get the fuck out of here. I'm done with you. Well, I'm sorry, but it's not. It's, I mean, I- No, no it's fucking, that's like saying, oh. Uh, no, it's not like saying anything. It's like saying in my- yeah, preference, yeah, yeah. In my preference in music, like, I don't always go to Tom Petty. You know, like, but this album here actually resonates with me. So I, I, I figure you should be happy that I included your boy Tom Petty in my list. Unlike you, well, who I'm pretty sure my next two aren't on yours. And well, you didn't completely screw up because you had him in your top three. So there you go. You know, so now give, give me and justice for all or whatever's next. Ah, fuck off. Was I right? I just guessed. Oh, shit, I was right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes, number three is from their fifth album, Eight Time Platinum, released on September 7th of 1988, picked at number six on the U.S. Billboard Top 200, while being in the top 10 in 10 other countries. This is the first album. To feature Jason Newstead, you mentioned that earlier at base, and was nominated for a Grammy in 1989. The hits were numerous off this album. Blackened, Injustice for All, one, which, which they performed at the 31st Annual Grammys, and then won the Grammy Award for Best Metal Performance the following year, Harvester of Sorrow, you mentioned it. A lot of other people mentioned it. 
this was the last true Metallica before they quote unquote sold out, right? With the black on. Because you don't know shit. Um, this such a fucking great album. I mean, one is just iconic, legendary. Um, the video is just off the freaking chains. Um, and it's kind of a political thing, right? And it kind of reminds me of uh, Alice in Chains. Song, and it just slipped on my mind. Oh, shit. I just. This was such a. I mean, their fifth album. And it's eight time platinum. That tells you all you need to know, right? Jason Newstead, he was the guy. Unfortunately, he passed away. And, uh, man, this this was, I think they got cheated out, right, with the Grammys because Jethro Tull, of all fucking people, picked him out a few years before. But uh, or, I just, I mean, I'm a huge Metallica fan. It's, it's no secret. But even if you are a Metallica fan, and there's a divide, right? You're either early Metallica, you're late Metallica. I think there's three phases, early, mid, and late. And I just think this kind of epitomizes them. I mean, one, it was off the freaking chains. That freaking, whoo. I don't know how you don't have Injustice for All in your top three for this 88-89. Um. Like I said, it's a good album. I just think that the ones I put ahead of it are better. I I, I don't know that. Well, you're wrong. Well, okay, you can believe that. So, I'll go on to my number two, which uh, I don't like. How this isn't? I know this isn't in yours because I I cheated and looked and seen, and I'm shocked that. Uh, it didn't get there because this might be like one of the, this is probably one of the top 10, the, top 13 albums of the eighties altogether, not just of this, these two years, but uh, it's the cult with Sonic temple um, released on April 10th, 1989 uh, big songs off. It were uh, Firewoman, of course, and uh, Edie. Um, which is a great ballad that sometimes I forget about when we talk about ballads and stuff like that. But uh, anyway, uh, Sweet Soul Sister, Sun King were two of the other ones on there. Uh, we mentioned Bon Jovi. Like, I probably should correct myself. Bon Jovi ruled the United States at this time. The Colt probably ruled the world. Because I think <laughs> I, I, they were more pop, you know, like in Europe and Asia and all over. the. I mean, they were huge, right? Like they were as big as any band that's ever been at that time. Is a cult. It was a cult, <laughs> man, a cult yeah, for sure. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, to me, it's just a great album from start to finish. I think that it's like, I don't, there is not a bad song on this, like even a remotely bad song. If you sit down and listen to it and you do, you, you can't listen to the whole thing. I don't know what's wrong, especially if you like that kind of, you know, that, I guess that 80s rock sound or whatever. I mean, this is definitely in it. And 
Um, I don't know if like when we, I guess 30 years ago, if I would have like necessarily been there with this band, but like after I sat down and listened to this, as we talked about, as we talked about it, man, I just love this. I forgot how much, you know, some of these songs are great. You know, fire, fire woman is a freaking classic banger. And, you know, I just, uh, I, you know, I, I just think it's a great song. It was, uh, had the, uh, you know, Wikipedia sucks sometimes. So, um, <laughs> But it was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was listed as one of the like, you know, top 10, uh, where is it? Top, top 20 hair metal albums of the 80s. It was put in there. Top 30 glam metal albums of the of all time. You know, so that was my number uh, two, I believe we're at. So. Yeah, I mean. That, that really was a great album. Um not sure why I left it off. Again, maybe it was the list I was looking at. Or for me, number two, which is a band that you mentioned earlier, is your number five. But I had Skid Row, the debut album, self-titled album, released on January twenty-fourth of eighty-nine, peaked at number six on the. Billboard Top 200. It had four major hits, Piece of Me, 18 in Life, which hit number four. Youth Gone Wild, Remember You, which hit number four, and Rattlesnake Shake. Um, 18 in Life, Youth Gone Wild, that's the, and I Remember You, that's the big three, right? Um, we've talked about this. We, we ranked this album really how debut album episode um sebastian pop was on another level it just disbanded and somebody else was doing his part but because i feel like there's so much good music we can still do but this album this is in my wheelhouse my era where i grew up right um, I actually tuned into them on Slave to the Grind and went back and picked up with this album. And man, they are so, so freaking good. Um, have a top album. It's one thing to have a top album during a certain era or time frame, but it's another thing. For me, it's another thing when your debut album just fucking kicks ass, dude. Just freaking is fucking banger rock solid, right? And I would I would probably put these first two albums for um I would probably put these first two albums for Skid Row, right? Skid Row. And then uh, Slaves of the Grind, I'd probably put those two against any first two albums. And there, and those two albums are completely different, right? I think like Skid Row, the debut is kind of more of a ballad Slave melody the, type. Yeah, as they Slave to the Grind is a little bit heavier. Yeah, Slave to the Grind, Quick Saint Jesus, yeah. and all that shit, man. Quick Saint Jesus, maybe one of their, their best fucking songs, dude. But yeah, um, 
no doubt that um, Kid Row's debut album, so successful, right? Um, just hard to beat that. Yeah, I mean, I love that album, and I think it's uh, it's great. And I think the other thing is too about the second album, "Slave the Grind." I mean, that's just as good as the first, right? Or maybe even better in some people's minds. So, um, no, I think that's uh, great. So, um, I know here's where things are getting off the rails for us, and you're going to call me a freaking Mark or yeah, we're we're about to piss each other off right here, Jack. Well, I already know your number one. I know your number one's Tom Petty, and you love Tom Petty, and I you don't know shit. I had him at my number three, and I I feel that was justified. First of all, I'm disowning you for having him at number three for a couple of reasons. One, because you know how good he is, and you've said it on several occasions already on the pod, and yeah. two, because you know. So I feel like this is just a freaking slap in the face. Well, but it's blatant also, disrespect. And it's also about what resonates with us, right? It's our list, right? We're not trying to be like Mr. Joe, professional music evaluator here. Um, <laughs> so my number one from this time frame is Nirvana with Bleach. Um, to me, when I think about albums that like, if you want to think like the Big Bang Theory, right? Like what, what set off a chain reaction? And, you know, I think there's some other ones in there. I mean, I think Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, not really Alice in Chains, I guess, because they really, but Soundgarden, you know, you got uh, Mud Honey, um, you know, maybe the Melvins, some other bands, you know, but like, Mud Honey. Um, you know, Mud Honey. but uh, this is one of those albums that started that movement, right? That became, as we know at grunge and yeah, that, that like wheelhouse of grunge, you know, from what do you want to say? 80, maybe 89, 90 to like 93. That, that's my jam. That's more than anything. And, you know, this is one of those albums that kind of like started that, that path. Right now, now, now their nevermind album. That's when it kicked the fucking door down. That's when it became a shit. And yeah. MTV got behind them and, everybody and it was off right but you know th this is this early stuff here and you know if you sit down and listen to it man like blue is an awesome song floyd the barber about a girl is a fucking classic you know and we don't about a girl is fucking and i don't know if if we think about bands that started in our lifetime like no one touches kurt cobain no no Right, no, you know, like no I mean, fucking status. Um, school's a great song. Negative creep. Missed, I mean, I, did you imagine if if Nirvana today? We had no idea who they were, and they dropped today. They'd still blow the everybody away. Oh, they'd set the world on fire. Dude. Yeah, I mean, he. They were just. They were. They're transiting. Well, that, that, and then you add you add well and, and you and you you add the other things too right like i said you know you got you got this and you know and i, and I think it was kind of the perfect storm with like you know some other bands too but i mean i honestly you know nirvana with i swear to god in nirvana Kurt Cobain, i instantly think of the mtv unplugged session where he's sitting yeah. there in that fucking green ass sweater 
Yeah. Smoking cigarettes with the rest of Dave Girl and the rest of the band, man. Not giving two fucks. Not none. Well, and, and, and the songs they did then, right? And I think, I mean, yeah, so legendary. You know, and so I don't know. Like, I still love this album. Like, I, 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 I remember when I was like young, because I've, I've always been someone like when I, hear something i kind of want to go back to the beginnings right you know and so like everybody was listening to nevermind and so i i probably bought the nevermind album but then i came across it wherever you know probably skinny's bop shop and saw that <laughs> I, I and saw that i could buy this bleach album by nirvana and i was like holy shit you know this is fucking awesome right you know because i always like to see the road to the where we're going is just as important to where we're at to me you know like i would rather you know, I, I know like the first Motley Crue song I ever heard was probably something off of Girls, 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 right? But I just didn't want to stop there, right? I wanted to pull back and I wanted to go back and see like, where does this start? Where does this begin? Now, if it began, they're great. You know, like Skid Row, right? It, fuck it. Okay, that's where it started and that's where I got it, you know? But you always kind of, to me, I've always loved the journey of rock music and like these bands and stuff like that. You know, if you don't, if, if you've, if you're a Nirvana fan and all you've done is listen to what they've done on Nevermind and what they did on In, in Utero, you're doing yourself a disservice because Bleach is fucking Utero is so fucking good, dude. But but Bleach is a fucking great album too. It is. It is. You know, it, it's more it's Jesus. more punk and it's more dirty and it's more what Nirvana wanted to be from the fucking day they stood out. But it's like it's and then when you put it back in 1989 and you're putting that God damn. and you're putting that out there with like some of this other shit that's out there, I'm not saying it's shit, but it's like, you know, no one's going to put an album out there. And it's like, cause it, this doesn't sound like Dr. Feel good. This doesn't sound like, first of all, Nirvana, some of their first three albums, if they put that out today, there's no way that shit gets, let's face it. There's no way that shit gets fucking, published well i don't know that i just you know I mean, like but it's great like so that, i mean that's my i guess you're talking about it bleach album all night long and we don't need to do that so that's right. my number one album i love it i think like i said i think it was a it was a it was a game changer that nobody realized was a game changer at the time and, I, would, I would give you that. Yes, I would. And give you that. Yes. if you still don't have that album as something you listen to today, you're doing yourself a disservice. Fucking awesome, dude. So go on and tell me why I so suck I for not putting not... Tom Petty at number one. Well, <laughs> after all that, you know, after all that heartfelt, that would be. That would be... <laughs> that would be a whole episode in its fucking self. But yeah, yeah. My number one, Tom Petty. Full mean fucking fever, baby. Inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2002. This is the solo debut album for Petty, 24th of 1989. Peaked at number three on the Billboard Top 200. This album was full of hits that are more appreciated now than they were when it was when it first came out, right? Free Falling. Number one, I won't back down. Number one, 
Love is a Wrong Road, number four, Facing the Crowd, which is so underrated, number 46, Running Down a Dream, number one. Um, shit. Man, it was ranked on list of top 100 best albums of 1980. I was ranked number 298 on their 2020 update magazines of the 500 greatest albums. I mean, if you if you've listened to this podcast or followed me, you know I'm a huge Tom Petty fan, um, and it really doesn't get any better than this. And let's face it, you know Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Tom Petty, and all of those band members followed him, right? Um, so there's not a much change there, but Jesus. No, I, Free falling was a gangster move. Yeah. I won't back down. It's just fucking in your face. Rock and roll. But facing the crowd, maybe. I mean, running down a dream and I won't back down is two of their biggest hits. But facing the crowd, man. That. No, it's a. Two are good. Face it. Facing the crowd is, is as good as anything they've put out on that album. No, I mean, I, like I said, I, I think it's a great album, and I'm not like a, you know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Tom Petty guy out in the world, you know, so I think the well, fact you suck, that, you're fired, you're out. Well, no, but I think the fact that I, I realized <laughs> that and I put that in there for me, you know, at number three, that should be that I'm should proud be of you. I you really know? am. So, you know, I mean. I really I, didn't think you would have. Dude. You know me. I put it above fucking Doctor Feelgood. I I put it above Doctor Feelgood. And do you know? Do you know a bigger Motley Crue fan than this guy? I do not. I do not. So that that should say enough right there, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, and, and you kind of said it right. I don't know anybody a bigger Crue fan than you, and I don't know anybody. A bigger Tom Petty fan than me, right? Sino wizard he was with what he could sing, play, video wise. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. I mean, he was on. I, I put Tom Petty up there with Prince. I put Tom Petty up there with some of the most. Overall influential musicians, and when I say that, ability, ability to play multiple instruments, ability to play videos. Tom Petty is is fucking out there, man. Stratosphere, and again, that fucking over your left shoulder. That's what I think of full moon fever because it has the same. <laughs> we talked about it before the show. It has the same color dynamic. It does, yeah. Blue, yeah, yeah. Every time I see that shit, that's what I think of. Awesome. So, well, Mrs. Brock, she's got my vote because she gets it. Right. Unlike her husband, she gets it. Well, that's true. See, I'm in. Ooh, that's uh, that's one hell of a list. I know these multiple year breakdowns are kind of hard, but 
Man. It's a... Uh, With that, that is our top 13 for me and Brock. Um, I'm going to say tune in next week, but it may be a few weeks. We'll come up with you know, we'll come up with a new category. I don't know what we're doing yet. Um, please feel free to give us suggestions. At 13 Horn, you can follow us on wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, leave us a note and say, hey, I want to hear this. Um, we've got a lot going on, but we will definitely take requests. Um, you can follow me at, at Hollywood Titan. You can Follow him. You can follow him at chalk underscore. I can't remember. At chalk underscore what? Casey. Yeah, at chalk underscore Casey, not KCMO. Because that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, we ain't doing that bullshit. Yeesh. We thank you for listening. Appreciate you. Please rate, subscribe, and review where you listen to podcasts. Help spread the word. Uh, again, I want to say we'll be back next week, but we'll be back pretty soon. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Tom Petty's the fucking gangster. <laughs> I win. Chop losers. We're out.